Good afternoon. I don't think it's too early. Let's look left and right and say happy Thanksgiving to each other. Yeah. It's, a good, it's a good, good, good time of the year. Um, so I made a mistake getting ready for this weekend. On Wednesday, <clears throat> I decided that I would swim outside. And uh, I have a swimming, um, I actually have a swimming teacher. It would be too much to say that that's a coach or a trainer because I'm trying to learn how to swim. And uh, she said, well, let's do intervals. And then she goes, well, maybe we shouldn't because, uh, you know, the air quality. And I'm like, ah, it'll be fine. And so since Wednesday, you know, when, you know, so now, yeah. So it's been tough. Uh, so I apologize if I have to stop and get uh, to get water along the way. Um, it's great to be here this weekend, especially great to be here while... Pastor Terry and the team are uh, coming back from Israel. I can't wait to hear the stories that uh, he and the team are going to share. And uh, I'm sure that uh, as we go into the holidays, we'll, we'll learn a lot from their, from their travels. Um, we've been at this sustained thing for a while now, right? Remember, we started with Spark, and then we went to Step, and now we're coming to the end of Sustain. In fact, Pastor Lewis is going to end that series for us next week. But a few weeks ago, we had another uh, member of our church, Alex Costanzo, share. Did anybody get a chance to see Alex share? Yeah, it was amazing. If you didn't get a chance to go see it, go on Cornerstone TV. Well, let me just encourage you. If you're looking for something to binge, Cornerstone TV is a good binge watch because there are these amazing messages. And the reason the church does this for all of us is because we're not always in town and we miss things and things come up. So we have a chance to go back and revisit. But I, I would encourage you to go back and listen to her message because she talked about how to build endurance, how to finish the race. She talked about her own life marathon story, which is an amazing one. And like Alex, I've run the marathon distance. I've got eight of them underneath my belt. I hope I get two more. I only have two things that are holding me back. This one and this one. <laughs> Neither one of them want to cooperate to try to get me through those next two marathons, but I'm working on it. I love the marathon. It's marathon season. In fact, marathon season starts in the fall when it starts to cool down. And it continues on into the spring before it gets warm and too hot. Um, there's only one major marathon in America that's run in the middle of the summer. Do you know which one that one is? That would be the San Francisco Marathon. <laughs> we run it in July. People come from all over the world because it's nice, cool, cloudy, damp, right? But it, otherwise, it, they've, they've run in the spring and the um, and the fall. And in fact, two weeks ago, the New York City Marathon was run. And there's a picture of the two winners. Um, the, the male winner was Lelisa DeCisa. He ran it in two hours and five minutes and 59 seconds. And that's Mary Catani. This was her fourth win. She ran in two hours and 22 minutes and 48 seconds. Now that's fast. That's really fast. But the fastest official world record marathon was run in September, just recently, by Eliud Kipchoge. 
in Berlin, and he ran the marathon in two hours and one minute and 39 seconds. Okay? So we're close to the two-hour mark. No one in history has ever broken it, but it's been tried. In fact, last year, Nike did an experiment. They created what they called the sub-two-hour project, and they took Mr. Kipchoge, who, won the New York, who sets the world, set the world record, and the gentleman we just saw from the New York City Marathon, and one other runner, and they created a special environment for them. In fact, they, they used a Formula One track in Italy. They gave them special shoes, as Nike would do, right? right? They gave them what was called the Nike Zoom Vapor, Vapor Fly 4%. With that 4% was 4% more efficient than any other shoe. Um, they found the perfect weather. They, they, they used a three-day window where the humidity would be right. They ran at night. They would got no wind. Everything was perfect. They gave them special food, special drink. And then the coolest thing was they gave them a, that pace car. See that car? So that car stayed in front of them the entire 26.2 miles. And that car projected for them, and they had to focus on it, the pace and a lot of their biometrics so they could see their heartbeat, they could see their blood pressure, they could see their pacing, pacing how many times their legs were turning. It was the pace car of all pace cars. Guess what the result was? Two hours and 25 seconds. That close. That close. It was called the race of all races. It's been called the run of all runs. But it's neither of those. In fact, the race of all races and the run of all runs is found right here in our handout. If you look at our handout and look at our scripture today, 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 25, we'll read it together. Don't you realize that in a race everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize? So run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. They do it to win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. So the race, the run that we're talking about here, was actually written by Paul, the Apostle Paul. And we've studied Paul during this sustaining period. Remember, Pastor Terry and Pastor Lewis have talked about Paul and his missionary travels. And Paul was the, uh, probably the most prolific writer of the entire Bible, certainly of the New Testament. And they say that the best writers write of the things they know, the things that they experience. And remember, Paul was not always Saul. Paul, he was Saul prior. And he would have been familiar with a lot of people who really took care of themselves, like the Roman guard. Like the Roman guard, those guys took care of themselves. They're like, they were like the Marines, Right? They were constantly working out. And how did they get in their best shape? They run. So likely he knew of the Roman guard running. And he was writing to a group of people in Corinth, the Corinthians, which was a principal city in Greece. It was actually on what's called an isthmus, which is land that connects to other land. And they had these games that they called the isthmus games. And they were sort of like the Olympics. So a very competitive, very probably fit type of 
culture. In fact, Corinth was wealthy, it had a lot of arts, had a lot of culture, it had a lot of sports. It kind of sounded like the Bay Area. Things that we would be used to, things that we would understand. In fact, we probably understand running races because they happen in San Francisco, it seems like, all the time, especially right now, except not today. They canceled them all because of the air quality. But we're used to these things. And the Corinthians would have been used to the metaphor that Paul was using. It would have made sense to them. So if we dig into the verses and we start with, don't you realize in a race everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize. What he was referencing to is he was saying, you know these races, you know these runs, you've seen them, you know that kind of thing. Um, Your kind of race, all kinds of people run in, but only one wins the prize. But then he quickly shifts. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about something else. He says, so run to win, but he's talking about a different kind of race, a different kind of run. In fact, the older verses say to get the prize or to obtain the prize. And I like the word obtain because obtain is not just about what, it's also about how. What do we have to do to obtain it? something. It encompasses way more than just the result. And maybe that's what Paul was trying to get to. And then he goes on to say, all athletes are disciplined in their training. Disciplined in their training. We could stop right there and we could spend an entire message, if not many message messages, on what it means to be disciplined in the kind of race, the kind of run that Paul is talking about. But I just want to go deep into one part of it. See, we know that pro athletes, elite athletes, they care about, they're extraordinarily disciplined about what they put into their body. How they fuel themselves is extraordinarily important. In fact, there's been books after books written on, reading, written on how to eat to win or how to dr- drink to win, how to eat to live, how to drink to live. You know, what Paul was trying to say is, you know, I'm setting up this race for you this run metaphor, you're to be disciplined, but you got to fuel yourselves as a part of that discipline if you want to run this race, if you want to be in this run at the best level that you can be at. So I want to go and I want to explore four areas that we can fuel ourselves for this race, for this long run. The first one is to be led by God, we must follow him. Follow him. In fact, you can't be led if you don't follow, right? You got to be willing. You got to give up in order to be led. You ultimately have to just give up and follow. And that's what God is asking us to do. Now, no offense to anybody who works in social media who believe you created the term follow. Somebody out there is going to claim it. In fact, I tried to do a bunch of research to say, did it go all the way to back, back to six degrees of separation? Or was it Friendster? It wasn't MySpace. It might have been Twitter. Probably was Twitter. But all of a sudden, this term follow becomes a part of our vernacular. Guess what? God has been asking us to follow him from the beginning of time. In fact, he's the author. He's the creator of the great social network. Because we are the social network, right? We are all of the users in the social network. 
he puts out a big follow button for us. And in fact, you know what? God's so good at that, he posts to us daily. In God's word, in our prayer time, in our fellowship time, when we come here, he's just posting to us and saying, hey, take this in. And you know what I want you to do? I want you to share it. You know who his share button, what his share button is? It's us. We're his share button. He wants us to be out there sharing everything because we follow him. Now, I'm sure there's people here, myself included, who there are certain people and certain things that I follow on social media. I mean, I really follow it. I read everything they post, everything, and I share them like crazy. But do I do the same for God? Do I follow him in a way way that I am in his word every day, that I am seeking more and more of the knowledge that he gives us and the lessons he gives, and am I sharing him like crazy? Now, don't go home and just go follow Jesus or God on Facebook. It's there. That's not what we're talking about. I'm talking about the bigger following. I'm talking about fixing our eyes on Jesus, on God, and falling in behind him. Like that pace car. Remember the pace car? Constantly giving them updates, setting the pace for them. You know, Kipchoge finished that race in two hours and 25 seconds. The pace car went across the line in one hour and 59 seconds, minutes and 59 seconds. The pace car didn't slow down. The pace car kept pulling. And Jesus wants us to look at him. He wants us to fix our eyes on him, to truly follow him. In fact, he says in Hebrews 12 too, fix your eyes on Jesus, whom our faith defend, de- depends on from the start, from the start of the race to the finish of the race. He will pace us to our greatest potential, to this abundant life that he wants us to live. Our second fueling point is God wants us to utilize him. He wants us to utilize him. There are 5,467 promises by God in the Bible. That's a lot of promises. I will tell you this, neither Google, Siri, or Alexa knows that fact. I asked them. I had to go dig deeper. So the machine's not ready to take over. So don't don't be freaked out yet. It may someday, but it hasn't yet. It hasn't figured everything out. 5,467 promises in the Bible that he wants us to unlock. Why wouldn't he want us to have all of those promises if he gave them to us? Promises that were made in the past to others that we can reflect on and bring into our own life and promises that we will get in the future if we continue to follow him. Um, I happen to be a, um, uh, a co-host of a podcast called The Faith-Driven Entrepreneur. And a few weeks ago, we had a guest on. And we were talking about this idea of following and being engaged and utilizing God. And he said, you know, there are seven words that can unlock everything that God wants us to have. Of course, I immediately said, really? Seven words? It's that easy? What are they? And he said, help me, Jesus. I'm sorry, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Six words, help me. 
I'm sorry, thank you. One word makes the seventh, Jesus. God wants us to utilize him. He wants us to unlock those promises. How do we do that? We do that by help me, I'm sorry, thank you, Jesus. That way we can be with him, utilizing him all the time. He wants us to utilize him in all of the places of our lives, in our families, in our relationships. He wants us to call on him. Call on him. Look, Thursday, we're going to have Thanksgiving dinners with family. We might be wise to go into that with, help me, Jesus. <laughs> right? And then when we say the things that we wish we hadn't said, I'm sorry, Jesus. And when we come out of it and everyone is good for another year, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> it works. In our finances, help me. I'm sorry. Thank you. And in our work. So we're going to go back to work tomorrow. And, and some of us will get Thursday, and maybe some of us will get Friday off. But we're going to be at the, on the job tomorrow. And all day long, if we just would use these seven words, we could call on God because we need it. We need it when we walk in. You know, when Nehemiah built in the Old Testament the wall, and he was going to ask the king for the supplies and the time to go do it, he stopped for a second. It's called the Nehemiah prayer. It was like, help me, Lord. Help me, God, before I go see the king. So before we go to any, any meeting, can we not say, help me? And then if we say the wrong things, or that word comes out of our mouth, or we don't treat somebody like, we can say, help me. And we can say, I'm sorry. And then we can also thank you, thank you Jesus, for forgiving me for all of those things. So God wants us to utilize him. Thirdly, he wants to fuel us by engaging with him. And he wants us to do that in, in, continuously, not just with the seven words, but to daily engage with him. To engage means to occupy, to attract, or to involve someone's interest or attention, or to participate and get involved in. That means, that's what engagement means. And I'll tell you the two things that demonstrate engagement. One is how we spend our time, and the second one's how we spend our money. I've always said, and you probably heard me say it before when I speak, you give me two pieces of your information, and in 30 minutes, I can tell you what's important to you. You give me your calendar for the last 30 days, and you give me your credit card bills for the last 30 days. And I'll tell you what's important to you, because where you put your time and where you put your money, that's what we engage in. And those aren't bad things. Like, we can engage in lots of activities, and we have lots of passions. You know, I like sports. I love sports. I went to Purdue. I'm engaged with Purdue. I know that this afternoon at 5.30 on ESPN2, Purdue is playing um, Virginia Tech in the finals of the Charleston Classic. I will be in front of the television at 5.30 this afternoon. I'm excited about that. I'm engaged. Am I that engaged with God? Am I that engaged with what he wants to deliver in my life? I put a verse in the, in the handout. You know this one, Matthew 6, 11. You know where that comes from, right? Give us this day, uh, this day our daily bread. It's the Lord's Prayer, right? So Jesus modeled that for us. He didn't say, give us this day our weekly bread or our monthly bread or our annual supply of bread. He said, give us this day our daily bread. He wants us to come back and engage with him day after day after day. 
and if not continuously, daily. This last week, um, I, was, I grew up a bit of a comic book nerd. Um, so Stan Lee died. And I was preparing the message and doing things, and I thought about Stan Lee, and I thought about all of his comic book characters, and it reminded me of not one that he created, because he was Marvel Comics, and the, the rivals were, the, were DC Comics, and there was this DC comic called Green Lantern. They made a movie about it in 2011, didn't go very far, but Green Lantern had this ring, this ring that gave him superpowers. And what he had to do is he had to go in and stick the ring in the lantern to recharge the ring. Guess when he was supposed to do it? Every day. Every day. So he could have the power to go out and do what he needed to do. And that's what God is telling us. He says, I want to fuel you. I need you to be in my word. I need you to be in, fe in fellowship. I need you to be in prayer daily so that I can fuel you for the race and the run that you're, you're in. Anybody ever heard of intermittent fasting? Yeah? It's, it's the fad right now, right? You want to lose weight? Here's the deal. Don't eat before noon. At noon to 8 o'clock, eat everything you're going to eat. Stop eating at 8 o'clock and starve yourself to the next morning, right? And it works, I guess, to lose weight. But if you're competing, you don't do that, right? When you're in the game, when you are in the race or in the run, you're not intermittently fasting, you're constantly eating. You're constantly drinking little bits to keep you fueled, and that's what God is asking us to do. So I'm going to give you a little engagement tip that I picked up this, just this year. Just this year. If you don't think you can continue to learn, I'm an old guy. I'm still learning. So I listened to a message. I'm a Bible reader. I love reading the Bible. have since I was a kid. And in even years, I try to read the Bible all the way through, from the beginning to the end. Don't do it every year, but on even years, and I'll finish this year because it's an even year. But this year, I'm reading it differently because I heard a message given by a pastor who said, before you sit down into God's word and before you engage with him, tell him what you're looking for. He wants to hear that. And that when you do that, he will reveal to you what you need. And so now what I do before I sit down in the morning is I sit down and I say, God, I need a hug today. Just give me a hug. I need to feel love. Some days I, I sit down and I say, God, I've got doubts. Can you show me that I'm not supposed to have those doubts? There are days I'm like, a lot of other people, where I say, God, I'm just lonely. And I want to be lonely. There are days when I'm frustrated. There are days when I'm stuck. I'm just stuck. God, I am stuck. I don't know which way to turn, left or right. Will you reveal that to me? And you know what? In today's world, I hate to say it, there are days I'm angry. You know, if, if I look at Twitter before I read my Bible... You know, I, sometimes I end up more angry than I, than I, than I want to be. I'm trying, I've flipped that now. But there are days where I'm just angry. And I say, God, help me take care of this anger. And you know what? He delivers every single time. Not on the first verse. Maybe not on the second. Maybe not in the first five minutes. But somewhere if there you stick long enough and you engage with him, he will deliver. Our fourth fueling point and our last one is we have to live it out daily for him. I love that that's a part of our mission statement of Cornerstone is to live it out. 
Remember, we're the share button. We're supposed to be the ones out there living it out. And there's an old adage. The old adage is, those who teach learn twice. Those who teach learn twice. That's why I love teaching in the children's ministry. To take really tough lessons for us who are older, who are mature, who've been around the block. We should be able to get it. And we're still struggling. And give that to a first through sixth grader in a way that they can take it home, sit in the car, go to school the next day, and it stays in their heart and in their mind, and they can live it out. Every time I teach up there, I learn twice. I walk away and I go, why didn't I see it that way the first time? So each time that we live things out, God has given us gifts. When we live those things out, we're getting refueled. He's giving that to us. You know, when we love on our neighbors, we're getting refueled. When we show grace and mercy and forgiveness, we're getting refueled. When we encourage others, let me just tell you, there are so many people right now who need encouragement. They're all around us. They're in our families. They're in our neighborhoods. They're at work with us. They just need somebody to pat them on the back. God says to us, be encouragers. We do that. We get refueled. Now, Pastor Terry's out of town, so I'm just going to say this. He's probably already watched on the live stream from last time. I, I kept my phone off, so he can't, he can't uh, text me yet. Um, you don't have to be a pastor to live it out. You don't have to stand up here and speak. You don't have to write a blog or be light writing. You just live it out wherever you are in all the different places. And we can get refueled. And why do I know that? Because in John 4.34, this is what Jesus said to his disciples. He said, my nourishment comes from doing the will of God and from finishing his work. My nourishment comes from doing the will of God and from finishing his work. If God nourished Jesus that way, that's what he's doing with us. When we live it out, we're getting refueled. So let's go back to our scripture for just a second. You know, he says all, our, all athletes are disciplined in their training and we're to be disciplined, right? So why do we do this? I mean, why do we focus on all this dis discipline? Why are we denying ourselves? Why are we trying to fuel ourselves? I mean, why can't we just go through life and take in the empty calories and the sugar highs or do the four-minute workout? It's all there for us, right? We can get through life. Well, it's because Paul said, if we're doing that, we're running the wrong race. That we're running a race not for a prize or a medal. Let me tell you, I've run a lot of running races. I got a drawer full of them. I keep them. Patty and I have no children. When I die... Where do you think they're going to go? I don't think anybody's coming up and said, hey, can I have Rusty's running medals? How cool would that for me to hang on to those and collect those? No, they're going in the dumpster. They're going in the dumpster. And that's what Jesus said to us. He said, don't store these things that can be eaten by moths or rust away. Not don't store these. Store your things, the things and your treasures into heaven. And that's what Paul is telling us. He's saying... Don't think about the earthly race. Think about the one. Fuel yourselves for the eternal prize, a prize that we can all obtain. 
I also put in our handout a quote from uh, Ralph Waldo Emerson. He doesn't have it all right, I don't think, but it applies. It says, what lies behind us, that history, and what lies before us, the future, are tiny matters compared to what lies within us. Our future does matter, otherwise there wouldn't be an eternal prize that we're working towards. But he's right that our future is shaped and determined by what lies within us. So here's a challenge God's giving us today. For some of us, we see the start line. We're thinking about stepping up to it. We think, we've seen others that have been in the race. We think we maybe want to do it, but we just haven't walked to the starting line yet. I'm going to tell you you should. I'm going to tell you it's worth it. There's an eternal prize for that. It is not easy. The run, the race that we're given, we have to fuel ourselves. We have to work hard. We have to be disciplined. But it is worth it. If you are at that moment, cross the starting line. Follow God. Follow Jesus. For others of us, we're in the race. But sometimes we walk. Sometimes we trot along. We might be feeling stirred to pick up the pace a little bit. And that might be the time that we're supposed to kick it in right now. But we could also get caught in the trap, and this is what's going to happen in January, right, when we all have our New Year's resolutions. We're going to say, I'll start going to the gym when I lose some weight. <laughs> right? We've all said it. I'll start working out when I lose some weight. But i got to start working out to lose the weight. But if I don't lose the weight, I can't start working out. And we get caught. We get trapped. Right? Maybe what God's telling to us is, you know what? Strip that weight. Just get going. Just pick up the pace. And we're all, we're all human, right? So we're, you know, we're invited to join the race, to pick up the pace. You know, we get invitations. We have situations. What God is saying to us is just, you know, I'm inviting you. Come on. Follow the pace car. Follow the pace car. I got you. And then there are those of us who, you know, maybe we're trying to run this race and we're running it hard and we are following and we are utilizing and we are engaging and we are living it out. And what I say to you is keep it up. Keep it up. It's going to be worth it. It's going to be worth it. So if not ever run in a race, you've seen a race, these earthly races. We've seen them all around us and we know that when you're running, people hold up signs. It's kind of one of those cool things. If you have a bib, it's got your name on it. They yell your name out at you. People you don't know. You know, those signs say things like, you know, dig deeper. Go faster. Well, let's just imagine for a moment that we're in this race. And God and his angels and his witnesses. And he tells us in Hebrews that there's a cloud of witnesses around us as we run that they're holding up signs. They are saying, dig deeper. They are saying, give it your all. They are saying, you're almost there. Or the finish is worth it. You know, I see signs and I hear, go daughter, go. Or go son, go. And if I listen closely, I hear God saying, Rusty, you got this. Put your name there. Listen closely. 
You got this. And even better, I hear, Rusty, I've got you. If you can hear that, I've got you. In a moment, the band is going to come up and we're going to receive our offering. I'm going to pray first. Oh, Lord, we thank you for the race, the run that you've given us, the run that brings us to you, Lord. We just ask you as we leave here today that you will continue to fuel us. Lord, we know we have to step out. We know we have to make the commitment to follow you. We've got to utilize you. We have to engage with you, Lord. But we also know that you can give us the courage. You can sustain us as we live that out for you, as we live to get closer to you. So, Lord, we just ask you to continue to bless us, to keep us safe, to keep us encouraged, to pull us closer to you. Lord, let us keep our eyes fixed on you as that pace car, because we know that you want us to go to where our best can be for you. So we ask you to bless our church. We ask you to bless this city. We ask you to keep everyone safe, bring our brothers and sisters home safely from the Middle East. And Lord, we just lift up all of these things in the blessed name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen. Thank you very much. 